Good morning, welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Bahar Rishon, the first Aliyah in Parshas Bahar. Our, our Parsha as a whole is 57 Psokim, it is a short Parsha, our first Aliyah containing 13 of those 57 Psokim, running from Perak Chofei, Pasuk Adav to Yud Gimel. Let's take a look at a brief overview of Aliyah and then get some ideas to po- uh, deeper ideas to ponder. The Aliyah is broken into two, one is talking about, the first part is talking about the Shemitah the Shvi'is, and then it's talking about the Yovel, the Jubilee year as well. So let's take a look at this in pieces. The first seven Sukkim are about Shemitah. We're told that the nation of Israel were told at Har Sinai these laws. And that is that every seven years, the, the land will rest to Hashem. For six years you can do all these activities and you can plant and you can prune and you can do all these all this business and gathering and everything. But on the seventh year, Shabbos, Shabboson, Yela Aretz, Shabbos, Hashem, seven years, it's, a, it's the seventh year to Hashem. Um, and uh, we're told there's certain things one cannot do, no pruning, no cutting, no planting, all these things. Um, and this is the day, this is the Shabbos, Aretz, Lachem, Lachla, it'll be for you to, to eat. Um, for everybody who is with you as well. Um, and everybody, therefore anybody else can come and eat from the field. It's sort of open to all. We then hear that that you should count for yourself sheva sheva soshanim sheva shanim sheva pamim. It's to count seven sevens, um, and on that seven sevens there is going to be a blowing of the shofar on Yom Kippur on the tenth of the month. Uh, Yom Kippur, you get you blow this horn and enters the fiftieth year. That year is called the Krosim Dror Baritz. You're called liberty in the land lechol yashvia for all its inhabitants. Yovel he tia lachem. It'll be this jubilee year. For you, every return, it's a return of land, it's a return of slaves, as we will see. Again, it acts like Shemitah, you're not allowed to plant it, you're not allowed to invest in it as well. Um, and everybody's going to return to their respective places. A lot of very beautiful ideas over here. Let's start at the very beginning. Why is this Aliyah, why is this Parsha described as something which was taught at Har Sinai? Har Sinai The Ray Rashi famously questions it, is my Inyan Shemitah Eitzel Har Sinai? Why is Shemitah being related to being taught at Har Sinai? Surely all the Mitzvahs are taught at Har Sinai. Why is it being isolated? Rashi explains, quoting the Midrash, that this is, you see all the very specific details in the Halachas of Shemitah, which are Oshviyas, which are mentioned over here. And the, it is meant to be an example to teach us that just like all these details were attributed to being taught at Sinai, therefore any other details you may not have found at the Har Sinai experience explicitly in the Torah, and they are described later, were actually taught at Har Sinai, they're just, uh, just the details being given later on as well. Which leads us to the question is, why was the Mitzvah of Shmit, Shviyas, or Shmita, the one that was chosen to be the one to express all these details at Har Sinai? So the Midrash Tanakh, at the very beginning of Sefer Vayikra, describes, quoting a very beautiful pasuk in Tehillim, um, in Kuf Gimel, Baruch Hu Hashem Malachav, Blessed Hashem are His angels, um, that Gibori Korach Oyser Devara, those who are strong of spirit who do His will. What is this referring to? So the um, and the Midrash says this refers to the Bnei Yisrael who keep Shmit Shvias, Shomrei Shvias. Why are the Shomrei Shvias so important? Um, this is because a regular person, let's say, he has to keep Shabbos or has to uh, who has to perform a particular mitzvah. It's, a ti- it's time bound. There's a certain time one needs to do it, and even if the mitzvah comes at great sacrifice. Still, there's a few moments, there's a day, maybe a, maybe a few days that a person has to contend with this mitzvah, and then it's over. When it comes to Shvias, a person who is a farmer, 
is walking out for an entire day, paying the taxes on their land, but not being able to do anything. They look at the they look outside, they see the profit they could have made, they see the land that's fallow that they could have been giving fruits, which would have been at least food for their family and certainly business for a business and money for, for their future, and they leave it all fallow. And it's an entire year of gavura, of strength. That's a remarkable feat. It's one of the hardest myths to accomplish if a person is, in, is, is a farmer. And that's why the Osnaim Torah says that this is why this mitzvah is related to Har Sinai. Why is this related to Har Sinai? Simply because it is a mitzvah in which um, we go back to the moment where B'nai Yisrael says, Naseh Nishma, like angels, they said we will do and we will listen. They accepted doing whatever it is, even the most unbelievably difficult mitzvahs like Shviyas, um, the ones which require the most amount of strength and resilience. Um, are were accepted at Sinai like when B'nai Israel are, were angels. And so we're being reminded, we're being reconnected to Sinai, which is the time, at the Sinai time when B'nai Israel accepted this. That's the idea over here. Now, what is the idea of Shemitah? Why is it Shabbat Shabbat Yela Aretz? Why is this the stay of rest for the land? So um, the Bible has a very beautiful observation where he points out that really, technically speaking, every seven days there is a resting day, but that's a resting day for humans and animals. Right on that day, human beings are not allowed to work. Your animals are not allowed to work as well. Um, and that's wonderful. But the land doesn't work. No, the land does not rest. Why does the land not rest? For a simple reason. is You can't, do, you can't, you can't say, I'm going to plant my wheat. And then every seven days on Shabbos, I'm going to stop the wheat from growing. The wheat's growing. You planted it. It grows. You can't water it on Shabbos. But the wheat is growing whether you like it or you don't like it. So the land never really gets a rest. Which means to say at the end of one year, there are roughly 52, uh, depending on uh, if lunar calendar, solar calendar, re- uh, roughly 52, uh, 52 days, 52 days which did not get rest, and they should have. Those are the, the 52 Shabbasim. After two years, uh, there's now 104 days where the land did not get the rest that it deserved. After three years, and you can see how the pattern works, 156 days uh, did, did not get rest. If you add this up, at the end of seven days, actually, there are 300 and 64 days, which did not get a rest because of the 52 days every every year, which means to say that what the way the Torah structures it is it moves all the missed days when the land could not get rest because the land can't stop being worked or doing its job when it's mid when it's just every seven days, every week. So the Torah puts all those missed days together and gives it an entire year of Shabbos. The human beings and the animals get Shabbos every seven days. The land has it all congregated into one year, and that adds up to seven years. So instead of once every seven days, it's once every seven years, and the land now gets a conglomerate of um, rest. This, by the way, is a is a very good, compelling argument as to why rabbis should get sabbaticals. But nonetheless, the the, the Malbim says this is the idea of Shemitah. Rav Hirsch points out that when, when it comes to Shabbos and Shemitah, there are a few differences in halachas. So, for instance, when it comes to Shabbos, we take the exa- that we take the the cases of the Isra Malacha on Shabbos when it comes to let's say uh, um, dealing with the land as examples to, um, of us and therefore told us that we, we take what are the, the primaries and the subsidiary melachas and they're all also. Whereas when it comes to Shemitah, we only prohibit the specific activities of the Torah lists over here. Very, very specific set of melachas um, um, as well mid arise on a, a biblical level. There may be some Durabonans or Rabbinic added, but on a biblical level it's very limited. Why, for, why is there a difference? So Rav Hirsch points out that when it comes to Shabbos, the idea is to acknowledge Hashem as the creator of the world. If we're acknowledging Hashem as the creator of the world, then we need to desist from any of our own creative activity. It's much more absolute. When it comes to Shemitah, the notion is not that. The notion is, and to quote Rav Hirsch, is the recognition and acknowledgement of God as the owner of the land of Israel needs no more than the placing of the ground under the rule of the master the thought of real owner of the land 
does away with the idea of its being at the disposal of the fiefholder to work the ground and harvest his products for, uh, for himself in his own sweet will. So, that, so for, to express this is enough just to stop these specific activities which, are, which, uh, which create the sufficiency from the land. So that's, that's what Rav Hirsch points out in terms of understanding differences. Now, you'll notice that the, the Yovel begins with the Shofar Blast. The Shofar Blast go, it takes place on, the, on Yom Kippur. What's the connection between Yom Kippur and the Yovel? Why does it start then and not at Rosh Hashanah? So it's actually interesting that the Shuvah Sagoinim, um, quoted in the Oetzar Goenim, points out that this is the reason why we blow the Shofar Blast, one of the reasons we blow the Shofar Blast on Motzi Yom Kippur as a commemoration of the Yovel, of the Jubilee year. What's the connection itself? There's a lot of very, very beautiful ideas to, to share, but one idea, that, and that is the idea of um, the Lubavitch Rebbe in Lekotei where he points out um, in the 34th volume, page 96, the following observation, that after we blow an entire month of, of uh, blow the shofar for an entire month of, for, uh, of Elul all the way through, for, uh, we were, we're trying to get closer, we're trying to free ourselves. At the end, the last Takiya is, he says, in your not, its matter is, Hatsaka hapnimismi, etzim anashamashi lamalami kol inyan sheltziur. It's the, the, this last blast is not a, sh- a shvarim matrua. It's simply the last, the last sort of groan um, of a person who's worked all this time just wants to come closer, wants to be free, and that's really what the, the happens on the Yovel as well. We 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 so want to be free. We so want to be beyond where we are right now. We we, we want to return to the to to, to a new sta- a starting point. That's what happens at the end. This is why the Yovel is connected to Yom Kippur itself. This is a moment of freedom as well. And what is the notion of the Yovel or the Jubilee year? So it is a very fascinating thing. In fact, in the Liberty Bell in, 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 um, in, in America, the, uh, engraved upon it is the Pasuk from our earlier, cross and draw over call liberty upon the land, to all its inhabitants. Then it was used politically to notion that, to, to civilize the idea of being free from, from being under authorita- author- autocratic kings and dictators. But um, um, in the Torah, the idea is that there's almost like a societal reset, both agriculturally and economically, there's a, there's a reset of the entire system and culture at that point in time. Um, in fact, Rashi points out that when it comes to the beginning of Pasha's Mishpatim, that a slave who does not want to leave servitude, he will serve the master forever until the Yovel, and he, and he has his ear which is pierced. Why? Rashi points out that because this person either stole, didn't listen to the Torah, or because he made the mistake of thinking that he is a, he, it's alright to be a servant to somebody else. There is no somebody else you can be a servant to. You're only a servant to Hashem. And at the Yovel, we break that cycle. At the Yovel, we, we break the cycle and we renew. We start all afresh again as well. The, Ra- the Ramban points out the beginning of um, Mishpatim as well that the reason why this is the first mitzvah of, of Evid Ivri, which is the first mitzvah after Matan Torah essentially, um, Bajra's Mishpatim is because it is the notion of a reminder of the seven cy- the, the cycles of seven. Seven is Hashem's uh, creation and control of this world, which is why we remember it. The Yovel being the the, the, the the apex of this idea as well. In fact, when the Torah tells frames us that the time of the Yovel, the Torah says, Alam, the slave will serve the master that he wants to stay by forever. Forever is a little bit misleading, says the, the, Ezra, the, the forever is the biggest forever we have in Jewish society is 50 years. It's the biggest time cycle we have in, Ju- in Judaism, and it, that's, that's why it is is 50. But the point is that forever is not perpetuity in Judaism. Forever it comes in units of 50 as a whole. That there's, a, there's an opportunity of changing things. There's an opportunity of life being better. There's an opportunity of restarting. As Rav Hirsch points out, um, uh, 
or all the precarious situations upon which the nation has fallen in its political relations to other states, all this, Yovel, is to wipe out and clear up. The nation is again established by the grace of God, socially healthy, politically free, even as it was in the first day of its national life, was started on the basis of God's laws. So that means to say there is the opportunity. You're not getting caught up in the corruption and the because and the, all the things that it was beforehand. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs points out a very beautiful point that if you compare the cycles of seven, the the cycles of the 49 days of the Omer and the 49 years of the of the Shemitah cycle to the Yovel cycle, though there's a difference in actually the way it's framed, and that is when it comes to Siras um, Omer, which everybody does, that is done in the plural of whereas when it comes to the Yovel cycles, the Sofar Telecha, you'll count yourself in singular. And his point is, and to quote, implicitly has an important rule of leadership. As individuals, we count the days, but as leaders, we must count the years. A private pers- as private persons, we can think about tomorrow, but in our role as leaders, we must think long-term, focusing our eye on the far horizon. Who is wise? Asked Ben Zoma, and he answered one who foresees the consequences. Leaders, if they are wise, think about the impact of their decisions many years from now. Famously, when asked in the 1970s what he thought about the French Revolution in 1789, Chinese, the, the Chinese leader Su Enlai replied, Too soon to say. And that's the notion of Yovel is seeing things in a bigger perspective. With this, we conclude the first Aliyah in Pashas Bar. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.